You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. It feels like there's a lot of people here today, which is awesome. Uh, So it's great to see everybody. Um, Please tell me that I'm not the only one who God sometimes makes you do ridiculous things. Has anybody done a ridiculous thing that they felt like God was leading them to? A few people. Oh, that's good. Okay, so I'm going to do a bit of a ridiculous thing now. And maybe it's a God thing. Maybe it's a Vez thing. But uh, whoever it is, I hope that you're blessed. I'm not going to hand it to Karen. Do you know I was going to hand it to Karen? That would be silly, wouldn't it? Viv and Sharon, would you distribute these? I hope there's enough for everybody. So uh, the last time I was going to share with you, um, I really felt like God was telling me to talk about popcorn. (laughs) Okay, really weird, right? Popcorn, what the heck? So I actually went about Googling popcorn, finding about its history, where it comes from, all of that. And I was like, please, God, just be clear about this because I, I could look really ridiculous getting up here and talking about popcorn. And, and, you know, people could just give me some weird looks and it just might be so off the mark that I never get asked to talk again. <laughs> Um, So anyway, thankfully, at that time, this was a couple of months ago, I was due to come and share about Soul Survivor. So I was kind of like, nope, not popcorn, nope, Soul Survivor, that's that's brilliant. Anyway, this time around, I um, was praying yesterday about what I'm going to talk about today, and the popcorn thing came up again. And I was like, God, please, this could just be really weird. Um... And the reason it came up is because I am an unashamed salt lover, okay? I will always choose a cheese board over cake or dessert. Ah, Richard's going, no, is that yes? Yes, thumbs up. I don't think I'm the only one. I'll always choose crisps over biscuits. Um, I just just love salt. I love olives. I love Sandro tomatoes. All of that salty stuff is brilliant to me. And I was really upset when I got to the UK and I realized that Salted popcorn is not the favour of the masses here. It's really not. That's all you pretty much get in Australia. You go to the cinema, you get salted popcorn. There's no real choice for sweet. So I was a bit like, oh. So, and I, I have grown to sort of like uh, sweet popcorn. But so anyway, getting back to why did this come up yesterday? So one of the verses that I'm going to talk us through today um, says this, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So I was praying about this, praying about what I'm going to say, and the popcorn thing came into my mind. And I'd felt a couple of months ago that, and impressed upon my spirit that I was going to give out little bags of popcorn. So it this is not a gimmick, okay? This is not, we're not in a cinema. I'm not putting on a show. Um, but maybe it's just a little bit about what I'm going to talk about today. So I don't know if my PowerPoint is, uh, it is loaded up, but uh, if you could get that going. So I'm, I'm talking in the same vein as um, John and William brought to us so wonderfully last week. It was great to hear from William. He's such a natural speaker, really genuine, and uh, John is too, but you know, we get to hear him a lot. So, <laughs> but, but William just brought something um, really brilliant last week that I think everybody could resonate with and, and 
part of what he spoke about, and I love it when things come together. So the popcorn thing may be a weird Vez thing. I might just be sharing the love with you. That might not be a God thing at all. But I felt actually what... William uh, mentioned in terms of Colossians 4 was like one of those moments where you go, yes, God, I think this is what you're trying to say to people. Because I had been reading Colossians in the month previous and just really soaking it up, taking it slow and meditating on uh, lots of the verses and how they were playing out in my life. And so when he brought Colossians 4 last week, it was amazing because in the, in the leadership team meeting prior to that, where I was bringing a devotion. I brought one of the verses from Colossians 4. So I sort of thought, yes, I think this is one of those God moments. So that's what we're going to look through today is is Colossians uh, 4 and, and talk about some of the verses. Because Last week, uh, we were talking about sharing the love, but, but really it was about sharing our faith and how we can do that in a low pressure, but um, in a way that we know actually we are called to do as followers of Christ. So we're going to read Colossians 4 together now, and this is from the NIV uh, version. I need to do it here, don't I? That way. There we go. Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, Colossians isn't really a book about evangelism. It's not really a book about sharing faith. Um, It was written as a letter or a couple of letters uh, from Paul to the believers at Colossae. And uh, there were people coming in trying to convince them that there was some special knowledge that they had that uh, was important for salvation. And so Paul wrote this, these couple of letters to, to the believers there to say, do you know what? The finished work of Christ is all you need. You don't need anything else. Uh, Jesus and his gospel is it. And th- we get some amazing gems in Colossians. Uh, so this is where that concept of there's no Jew, no Gentile, no slave, no free, uh, no circumcised, no uncircumcised. That that notion of equality comes from, uh, which was quite counterculture at the time, uh, but basically saying that actually this is accessible to everyone through Jesus, not through some uh, special group of people who feel like they have some knowledge. However, I actually think that there are, especially in these verses, some really practical ways in which we can share the love. Um, And they aren't going out and proclaiming from a street corner or or going to Bible college or organizing a rally or anything that you might traditionally have thought about in terms of evangelism. They're actually things that we can do, which is great, that everyone can do. Um, And so I think they might not be traditionally labeled as sharing our faith, but I I feel like they're an encouragement to us. And the first one was a real encouragement because in our pre-service prayer meeting this morning, this one was mentioned and it was, no, the other way, it was being persistent in prayer. 
Now, the, I read from the NIV version, but actually this is uh, the Good News version. And, and the first few verses in the Good News version says, Be persistent in prayer and keep alert as you pray, giving thanks to God. Now, you may have heard of a very famous, uh, very famous evangelist uh, from America called D.L. Moody, and I think I mentioned him before in my last uh, message. Uh, he was uh, in the 19th century in America, and I'm reading his biography at the moment, and I get a lot of encouragement from reading some of the things of, of people in the past, and I know John's reading um, the Soul Winning book, and um, Paul's reading some books on revival, and it's just encouraging to read it about how how God moved through people in the past and that perhaps we're not so different in some ways. Obviously, culture has changed, and but actually we're not so different. And D.L. Moody said that it pleases the Father greatly when we give direct, persistent, persevering prayer. Um, and Moody told a lot of stories about uh, how to uh, be persistent in prayer and the results of that. And one of the stories that he tells is of two Christian ladies that he knew whose husbands didn't know Jesus. Um, and they together agreed to spend one hour a day praying for their husbands. Um, they prayed for seven years, seven years, one hour a day, uh, one hour a day praying for their husbands. And at that point, after seven years, they got together and they thought, well, it doesn't seem like God's listening. It really isn't uh, doing anything. We feel like it's a bit useless. So maybe we should stop. Thank goodness they didn't. <laughs> they encouraged each other. They found renewed strength and they prayed. They continued to pray. They prayed for another three years, 10 years in total. And then one night, one of the ladies was woken up by her husband. And all of a sudden, he was just distraught about his life and the state of things and, and where his future was going to be and was really convicted about lots of things that were going on uh, in his life. So she was a bit whew, shaken, went back to sleep. Woke up in the morning and thought, I've got to go tell my friend. So she started out the door and was really excited to tell her that it, it looked like some of their prayers were coming true. And she was flabbergasted to meet on her way her friend who'd also had exactly the same experience that night. I mean, how amazing is that? After 10 years of persistent prayer every day, both of their husbands meeting Jesus on the same day. Amazing. Couldn't be anybody else but God, could it really? And their persistent prayer. Um, and D.L. Moody himself, uh, you may know this story, I think it's quite a famous one, he prayed for 100 people every day that he knew. Uh, and when he died, 96 of them had become Christian. And then at his funeral, the next four did. <laughs> so all 100 that he'd prayed for in his lifetime met with God either during his life or the last few at his funeral. That's an amazing testimony, isn't he? But that's D.L. Moody. Surely, like, he's some great evangelist, right? I pale in significance to him. I, you know, I can't pray for 100 people. Or that was his gifting and his calling to do that. But actually, when you read this uh, from Paul, he's telling the church at Colossae, that that's exactly what they need to do, is be persistent in prayer. So I don't think it's really got anything to do with gifting. I think, uh, you know, this isn't an isolated verse either in, in the New Testament. We see it time and time again about consistently praying and, and being persistent in prayer. 
And I don't want this to be something that we feel bogged down by and it's another thing that we're sort of failing at and not getting quite right because last week... Uh, John talked about the pressure being off, that actually uh, we have verses like John chapter 6, 44, that says, Jesus declares that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So there is some aspect of this that we have to leave in God's hands. But surely then when you look at something like the Great Commission and us knowing that by the Holy Spirit, we are Jesus's representation here today on the earth, that we have a part to play. Otherwise, we're just biding our time, aren't we? Just biding our time till heaven. There's got to be more purpose than that. So um, has anybody ever heard of the Thy Kingdom Come movement? It's two years uh, in the making. So Thy Kingdom Come started as an invitation from um, the Archbishop Justin Welby to the Church of England in the lead up to Pentecost to pray specifically for more people to come to know Jesus. And he said himself that he cannot remember in his life anything that he's been involved in, in which he sensed so clearly the work of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty amazing. So it's two, two years in the making. It started in 2016. But it has grown now that it's not just Church of England. It's actually an international call to prayer for more people to come to know Jesus and that those who are praying would be empowered by the Holy Spirit to to grow in their confidence to witness for Jesus. And I read an article on their website that um, is actually an encouragement for us to keep praying for people amid the busyness of life. Um, And it's written by a lady named Emma and she says this, I absolutely believe in the power of prayer. I'm also desperate for so many of my friends to come to know Christ. So why do I find it so hard to find the time, have the dedication, and build in a regular pattern of prayer for 10 of my friends, let alone 100? So she's referencing D.L. Moody there. When I find I do naturally and regularly pray is when I pray for someone I really, really love, like my brother. He's probably the person I love most who isn't in a relationship with Jesus. It's so easy. I think of him and smile, and then I pray for him. It's not arduous or laborious. It's entirely natural. And she goes on to talk about how her husband is much more structured than her, and he actually writes down the names of the people and then goes back um, every day to pray for those because they're written down. But Thy Kingdom Come do lots of little reminder things, which is quite amazing. They do a mug that's got Pray for Five on it, and every time you go and have a cup of tea, it's just a simple reminder to pray for those five people, and they do little bands with um, knots that are symbolic of of people. So I, I want us to start here. Maybe you are already a persistent prayer. And I would encourage you to continue to persistently pray because that's amazing. And if you haven't seen your prayer answered yet, unless you've had a clear no from God, then I think we need to persistently pray, especially when it's about the salvation of other people. Uh, But I want you right now, we're going to do it right now, right now, um, it's better than any time. We're going to close our eyes together and we're going to think of somebody that God has already put on our heart, perhaps, who doesn't know Jesus. And if you can't think of that person, then I I just ask God that you would put that person on each and every heart here. Just one, maybe more for some people, but let's just start with one. And we're just going to pray, Jesus, thank you for coming and dying for every single one of these people that are represented here by people sitting in these chairs. Thank you, Lord, that you are pursuing them and that you want them in your kingdom. 
Thank you that you love them even though they don't know you yet. And so, Lord, we pray that they will come to know you and what you've done for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Pretty simple, right? (laughs) Pretty simple. Um, And you think about the persistent widow parable that Jesus tells. The persistent widow in that parable actually only utters six words. That's all. I tell you who's persistent... My two little boys, <laughs> they are persistent. And, and Lindsay's got pretty good language, but Casey doesn't have, he's got a handful of words, but they're persistent. They don't convince me with their clever arguments or with their great oracy skills. They convince me, all right, because they're tugging on me and they're pulling me and they're going, mommy, mommy, mommy. So, you know, it's, being persistent is not about having amazing uh, prayers that sound so lofty and high. It's about the persistency of what you're praying for, even if it's simple. So so continue to be persistent in prayer. I just want to pick up something else from this verse here before we move on to the second um, thing I think is key in sharing the faith or sharing the love. Is the last verse where it says, Pray then that I may speak as I should in such a way as to make it clear. Now, this is Paul here. He's done some amazing work, seen some amazing things, and I feel like this is his heart of humility because he knows that it's not about him, actually, and how good he is at speaking. It's actually a cry to say, Lord, let me be more clear. Let me be more simple. Let the gospel be as it is and let me just be the messenger and let it be your Holy Spirit that does the work. Because anybody, if we, cl- if we stick to a very clear um, message of the gospel, can do it. Would you agree? Anybody can share the gospel. It, it, you're not unqualified, okay? And, and if we keep a humble heart and say, it's you that's going to do the work, ultimately, because you have done the work, but I have a part to play in that. I, I want to speak clearly. I don't want big words to get in the way. Actually, it was Carol, was it Carol, that prayed in the pre-service prayer meeting, Oh, Margaret, sorry, Margaret, (laughs) about sometimes Christian jargon getting in the way and let us just present a very clear message of what Jesus has done. So I think that's important, that you don't have to get your spiel right. You know, obviously, yes, it needs to be biblical and and represent exactly what Jesus did, but anybody can do this, okay? Okay. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to make the way and to draw the person and and we just give the message. Okay, so that's being persistent in prayer. The next one that I think is, uh, is represented really well in this verse is being wise in action. The verse says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, I have in the past said things like, it's about playing the long game. And I know what I mean when I say that. And I don't want to be pedantic and say that that's all, that's not the right wing. But I did kind of think about it. I thought, you know, people aren't on a chessboard. We're not being strategic and trying to move over here and move over there and have some great strategy in our heads. It's actually just about genuinely loving people and being in relationship with them and recognizing that they have amazing value that's placed on them by God, that they were worth dying for by Jesus. Um, So of course we want people to know about Jesus. We've got good news to tell, but maybe sometimes it's about how we genuinely present ourselves in the way we act towards people. 
cool. Um, Now, earlier in this chapter in Colossians, Paul speaks about what we should wear as a Christian. Um, He says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And those should be our garments. They should be what people see about us and what they say about us. Now, I wear a lot of black. (laughs) You may have noticed that. Um, But there are other people that wear lovely colours. I always notice Margaret has a beautiful bright necklace on. And and, uh, I know Trude loves to wear nice scarves. And some people just love to wear bright colours. So much so that it would actually be something that I would say about them if I described them to somebody. I'd say, oh, they're always wearing beautiful scarves or bright colours. But imagine if I wore kindness so often that that's actually how people described me rather than sort of saying, oh, she's about this high and she always wears black. Um, You know, imagine if they said, oh, Verity's just so kind and that was the way they described me. Or Jill is just so gentle or... Jenny is just so patient, you know. I'm sorry, men, I haven't picked any of you out, but it's just, or, you know, what if, what if those were the things that people used to describe us? And maybe they are. Maybe they are the things. You know, Dave Callahan is so compassionate. Maybe those are some of the words that, that describe us. And that's right. That's absolutely right, because those are the things that we should clothe ourselves with. Now, Jesus was amazing with outsiders. Um, he's a bit of an enigma, our Jesus. So he, he absolutely loved the poor and spent so much time with them and, and lifted them up. But he also went and had dinner with tax collectors and the rich. Yep, both outsiders, maybe from the, that society. I mean, he chose a bunch of fishermen and a whole bunch of rejects from the, from the rabbinical system to build the church. And yet he so highly valued the scripture and told us that we should know and love the word of God. I mean, women. He spoke so, um, so easily with women and, and highly valued them, but he didn't let them stay in sin. He told them that they weren't living right. So he was a master with outsiders. And he was so inclusive. Like he, he mirrored in his life the accessibility to the father that then would happen through his death. You get me? So actually while he was alive, he showed himself to be accessible by anybody. And that's the truth of what happened when he died. The father and him were accessible through his death to anybody. And Paul, he was inclusive as well. So he wrote, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. So the verse here says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So that means treat people well. You know, William touched on it last week. He said, actually, accept that cup of tea. Accept people's hospitality when it might be uncomfortable and you'd rather them come to your house. John said, if you're out by the bins and somebody strikes up a conversation, don't be so hurried to get back to what it was that you were doing. For our young people, actually look up from your phone when you're on the bus or, you know, waiting for something. Can you see somebody who wants to give you a smile? Give them a smile back. 
if you're Tony Campolo, throw a birthday party for prostitutes. Have you heard that story? (laughs) Yeah. So wisdom might look ridiculous, okay, in the world's eyes. It might look like foolishness. But through all of this, it doesn't allow us to have sin into our lives, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being everything to everybody and minimizing the truth of the gospel or the fact that actually we still need to live right. What I'm talking about is we all need wisdom for our specific situations. So Karen is working with homeless people and rough sleepers and people who, you know, are just having a tough time in life. She needs wisdom in that situation. Joe and Dave, they are in a workshop with some hard men, you know, they they need wisdom in that situation. Helena, she's conversing with people all over the world and, and she needs wisdom there. So whatever situation you find yourselves, if it's with your family or your kids who don't know Jesus yet, pray for that godly wisdom. Because I know that in my own strength, my wisdom is still part of my old nature. Even though it's intellectual and it's, it's of the mind, it's still part of my old thinking. And I need my thinking to continually be renewed by God's thinking. But should we all have love and joy and say them with me, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. <laughs> I've gotten I've gentleness, yes, and faithfulness and self-control. Don't miss any out. No, hopefully not. No, all of those things are wise to have in our, in our actions um, in the world. I read a, a really concerning article from a young lady in the US, and it was titled, I was a hardcore Christian, but this is why I lost my faith. And pretty much everything that she outlined was due to unwise Christians, it was kind of heartbreaking to see how it had, had gone. And I am not for any minute saying that any of you were unwise, but I just felt like it was worth mentioning that sometimes it's actually Christians who, who put people off the faith because of the way that they act toward each other. She was told that she could not be a Christian if she had doubts and questions, that that wasn't healthy. She, um, she went to, to a couple of different churches and her background was Catholic and she got told, well, well they're not real Christians because of da-da-da-da-da. The, the denominational thing was, was horrendous, the way they talked to each other. She said the pastors in her church shouted at each other and talked unkindly about people in the congregation. Uh, she said that her church was more uh, concerned about their Sunday service and their personal comfort than looking at the blatant needs of their community outdoors. So, you know, I think we need to be wise to outsiders, but we need to be wise with each other as well because people are looking at us, you know, and it, and it says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If we can't get it right here, then who would want to be part of it, you know? So, so we need to be wise with each other, love one another and also everybody else. In Colossians 3, it says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So our deeds are important. Being wise in action is important. But it also talks about our words. And that's my, that's my next point, that actually we need to be attractive in word. So the last part of, this, um, of these few verses says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And some of the versions uh, say be attractive uh, and appealing in the way that you talk. Now, this is where the salt comes in, okay? I I admitted to my salt love. Anybody else a lover of salt? 
Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Not too much, but you know. What does salt do? It makes something attractive. It, it makes something taste good and not bland. And it makes us want more. I can't just eat one crisp. I've got to finish the whole packet. And Lord help me if it's a packet of Doritos, you know, one of the big ba bags. <laughs> I'll finish that in two seconds flat. <laughs> so are our words attractive and appealing? Do they make people want to talk more with us? I don't mean shopping around for the gospel that they want to hear okay we covered that actually the gospel is the gospel it's clear and and we need to speak it clearly uh, but what I mean is is when we talk do people get the feeling that they want to they want to talk with us and uh, hear what we have to say and that we're interested in them and that their lives are important to us I think people are looking for something authentic and real something that's full and not empty and that's flavorsome and not bland and I I feel like I'm an old person in a young per older person in a young person's body because I'm going to say this. I don't feel like words mean much nowadays. Whenever you put nowadays on the end of a sentence, it always increases your age by like 20 years, doesn't it? But <laughs> I think I feel like words don't mean much nowadays. That there's a lot of emphasis that people put and emotion in their words, and then two months down the line, oh no, I'm not really into that anymore, or no, that doesn't really matter to me anymore. My marriage vows, yeah, they're not that important anymore. Um, you know, we, we have friends who have already had one and two failed marriages at 30. You know, and I, I'm not bringing that to bring any kind of shame or anything. I'm just saying that, that sometimes uh, we put a lot of emphasis in our words at the time and, and they, they don't actually mean anything down the line. We shouldn't be like that. Our conversations should make things better and build people up and be palatable. And the other thing that salt does is that it's a preservative. So it literally sustains the life, lengthens the life of something. So before refrigeration, you had meat that you needed to keep for longer. You would salt it. You put salt on it. Are our words bringing life? Do they mirror what's found in the word of God? Because that's the ultimate life, isn't it? Words of life. And how we speak, it matters. In Proverbs, it says that the tongue has the power of life and death. How are we talking about ourselves and our situations and about others? And, and the way that we talk, does it show that we actually value people and what's going on in their lives? I'm sure it does. I hope this is an encouragement to you that it's, it's, this, it's really this easy. Getting these things down are, are key in sharing your faith because people who are watching will, will come to you at some point and go, you know, you're always joyful no matter what's going on in your life. You're not like zingy and happy like this, but there's a, a tone of joy and a tone of hope about what you're saying. You know, I'm not saying we all have to put on our happy face. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there's something deep inside that resonates joy and life and hope in every situation. And is that what people are saying about us? I bet you it is. I bet you it is. And I bet you some of you are persistently praying for some of your neighbors and friends and family already. So be encouraged that if we're persistent in prayer, if we're wise in the way that we act with people and... We are attractive in the way that we talk, salty in the way that we talk, then actually part of what we, what we need to do to draw people to, to Jesus is already there and then let him do the rest. But I will mention this. 
In one of our Wednesday night live sessions, David actually said at the end, there will come a time when the truth of the gospel actually does need to be verbalized, okay? There will come a time where if you're praying for people and you're being wise in the way that you act and you are attractive in what you say, that there will come a pertinent time for you to tell somebody about Jesus, That's the important bit, isn't it? Because you can act like Jesus and you can talk life, but until people actually have the opportunity to hear about him, then how are they going to know? So so we need to be ready for that as well. Because if we're persistently praying, I believe God's going to bring opportunity. Yes? Amen. I hope so. We as a leadership team have been praying more and more for church to get a little bit more messy not chaotic and not, you know, we still need some order to things, but we believe there's going to be people who will be needing more prayer and people who'll be having a very visceral experience of God and and the amazing power and life that comes through what Jesus has done to us. So let's pray for that. Let's not be scared of it. We'll manage it. It'll be great. But won't that be amazing when we see people start to come to Jesus who've never known him before? That's amazing. So the last bit here says, um, you may know how to answer everyone. And again, when we're persistently praying, I I just want to continue to ask God to give me the wisdom when people ask me about things. Because you have different levels of asking, don't you? You have some people who ask you who want to trip you up. Yeah, who want to kind of go, well, you don't know your theology, do you? And uh, you, well, that, that doesn't make any sense. And science is explain that away and all of that so I just want to pray that all of us would have the wisdom because it says in the Bible that that you should have an answer for everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have so I was a bit challenged by that the first time I realized what the implication was that people should be asking me about my faith well does that happen you know I could probably count in in the last couple of years how many that's how many times that's happened in one hand I want it to happen more but I want to have his wisdom and his words to know how to answer is this truly somebody who's asking about you Jesus and wants to know more or is this somebody who's trying to entrap me you know and, and we need wisdom for both situations so I just want us to, to bow our heads now and pray because um, I believe that these things are, are really easy to talk about and maybe some of you are totally on the way with this and that is awesome. But maybe some of you like me need a little bit more encouragement with this um, so that it's not about being bogged down or feeling like it's an effort or anything like that, becoming ritualistic, but more that it would just be a continual process of, of becoming more like Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray that you will continue to help us to be persistent in our prayers for the people around us to come to know you. And whether that's one person that you've put on our heart or whether we feel ambitious like D.L. Moody and you're calling us to pray for 100 people, whatever that is, every single one of them is precious to you, Lord. And I pray that you would encourage that persistence in us, that it doesn't have to be some great long prayer, but it's the persistency that is really the important bit. Keep us praying, Lord, and keep us being wise in how we act. 
Jesus, you weren't a doormat. You didn't just allow people to walk all over you. Uh, you. You ate with everybody. You gave everybody the chance to talk with you. But you were unwavering in your uh, the way that you talked about the truth. Uh, you didn't let people just lay in their in their wrong living. You talked about how the best way to live is. And so I pray that you help us to be wise. Help us to wear kindness and gentleness and all of the fruits of the Spirit, and let those be the things that people talk about us when they describe us to other people. And Lord, let us, let us be salty in the way that we talk. Uh, let our conversation be attractive and appealing, and uh, that we would speak words of life into situations that are, are dark and, and don't have much hope. And that it wouldn't just be the power of positivity, Lord, but it would be the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray all of these things, Jesus, so that we would see more people come to you. That's what every single one of these people, I am sure, desires, to see your kingdom start to be, uh, start to be so full of people that we know. Pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.